Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Dan Platt, and Dan and I are going to talk about the race for mayor in Albany. So, Dan, uh, was it last cycle you you decided to run for mayor, right? Yeah, and by July, and this was when there was still a general election, or the primaries were still at the end of summer, um, Uh I pretty much stopped campaigning after July due to a personal crisis. Okay. So, you know, I'm sure you've been following what's going on in Albany. What's your thoughts on the race for mayor? Well, there's a number of different uh, ways of looking at these things. So I think this one Japanese anarchist called elections a festival for the majority. But we here in Albany have a majority of 6,000, it seems, in a city of 100,000. Um, there's many different complaints to make as to why voter turnout is low. You could interpret it as everyone kind of being electioned out after the franticness of last year with the presidential election. And that way maybe we should, not maybe, we should consolidate and have all of the um, elections on the same year, you know, instead of staggering it out. Um, I know there's various arguments they had about that. But there's also a voting system overall that the County Board of Elections doesn't really spend any money or make any effort to do voter outreach unless it's to tell third-party voters like myself um, that we lost our ballot line and that if they want to vote in a primary or have a voice, uh, we need to re-register as a Democrat or Republican. Uh, So Republicans do voter suppression. uh, And this is a line from Howie. Uh, Democrats do party suppression. As it's in the New York State Constitution that Board of Elections, which don't really have anyone to pass the buck up to, like there's no, it's very decentralized, which is somewhat okay, but at the same time, the duopoly, the two major parties, are in control. Everyone in these offices are the two major parties. There is no third party or independent representation there. So if I need information about how to run or what I need, it's kind of difficult to trust who's on the other side of the phone line because we have many anecdotes, plural of anecdote is data, uh, sort of. The um, the Rensselaer Board of Elections, for example, outright lies to people. They say like, oh, yes, you have till the 20th when really the date is the 18th or something like that. Or, oh, no, no, no. Then, yeah, we, you need 100 signatures. You actually needed 200. And, and that's on top of how, you know, the, the ability to run for office, the petitioning process is more strenuous in, in America than in anywhere else in the world. Uh, the fact that, you know, election day is not a day off. Um, and when it comes down to voting as a consumer choice, which kind of I can tell, you know, mention again and again, is that, you know, people need to be advertised to to kind of come out. There needs to be outreach. You know, and, and this is just maybe general human nature thing of, well, people need to be asked to do something, you know, whether it's a favor for a friend or, or, or whatever. Um, you need to do outreach. And so then it becomes a question of money, money in politics, everyone having enough to do enough outreach. 
So you can look at the disparity between Faust and Sheehan with how much money they had on hand or could raise, as well as what they spent. Sheehan spent, uh, sent out you know, a flyer or two to basically every registered voter in the city. Faust probably had to just be targeted to uh, prime Democratic primary voters, which is a much smaller amount of people. Um, but they're also the ones that like, okay, they're already probably going to come out, but you still need to ask them to vote for you. And this requires, you know, an army of canvassers to cover the city or at least cover mm-hmm. the voter base of the Democratic primary, which is what, you know, 12,000 and only half of them came out to vote for mayor anyway. Mm-hmm. So I could keep going about how, you know, why, why is it like, if I talk to anyone randomly, they'll probably have a negative opinion of Kathy Sheehan. There seems to be a lot of desire to, she's got to go. She's got to go. I keep hearing this over and over again. Right. But campaigns, successful or otherwise, do not spontaneously erupt, which maybe comes from something called movement theory, which the left has kind of been, it's been their like theory of change since the 80s. But it's not been very it's not been a very good theory because the practice of movement theory is that movements spontaneously erupt when conditions are right, and then uh, the powers that be are then pushed to make reforms. And you can kind of see, let's say with the BLM uprising, that this would be the year that we get serious reform. Now maybe next year we'll have it, and we've been there's a lot of new or current actors, but it hasn't been this groundswell and it hasn't manifested in elections. And maybe this speaks to a broader disassociation with elections overall, which I can kind of go into when I talk about council races and stuff. Um, But otherwise, it felt like everyone's election down and you kind of need to campaign for years before you really run for office, like because of the petitioning process, and especially with anyone under the age of 50, like getting their petition is, is like you actually have to earn their vote then. Like it's a consumer choice. Like, well, I don't know if I like you or I don't know you yet, so I will not sign this petition to at least allow you to run. I have to already right. approve of you. So it's almost like you need to already be popular and have a campaign going for years running on citywide issues before you even run for office, especially mayor. And Faust doesn't, hasn't done that. So it's why it kind mm-hmm. of surprised me almost that she was, I mean, she, she stepped up again as she ran previously as a write in, but that there was this, there's, there's all this sentiment to get rid of Kathy, but what to, who do, who or what to replace her with? No one can truly answer this except maybe this general, I want someone who cares about me, who's on my team or who will do favors for me or just cares. And Sheehan just doesn't seem to care enough. But, but maybe people nobody, are so disassociated from Yeah. There was nobody Sorry. that really stepped up to the plate. You know, Marlon did it, Lukey did it. But overall, people don't want to get involved. How do you feel about that? Well, see, the case with Marlon and Lukey is that they petitioned, but then Faust, 
basically made the complaint to the Board of Elections to get their petitions challenged, and maybe not being seasoned campaigners or not having a full team, they didn't collect enough, because usually the rule is you collect the minimum amount of signatures plus another 50%, because you need that buffer to withstand challenges, because you need to assume that your opponent will challenge your petitions. And to the experienced progressives of Albany, they kind of have a victim-blaming mentality when it comes to, well, they should have got more petitions. They should have known better. Or, like, how could they get, like, be sloppy with their petition gathering? Well, they shouldn't have to need so many in the first place. And even so, if they gathered enough, they put in the effort, they got signatures. They went out and asked people. But it's the rules say this. And Faust can, or any other person, can make use of them for their own ends. Mm-hmm. So they weren't even on the ballot for not reasons under their control unless you say, well, they should have tried harder. But then it comes to a question of only you have to prove yourself worthy to participate in an election. You have to show that you have a full team, that you have all of these resources to say, you know, an experience, professionalism to manage the city, in which case, well, what are we really talking about, management of the city or political decisions? I think these things need to be separated out. Many towns have city managers who are appointed by political representatives. Instead, it's the other way around. People who manage the city are appointed by the mayor, which is a political decision. But then that person then has to be super manager, Who's, who has a life, you know, half a lifetime of experience and, and all these other kind of class-based factors that are involved. Because when it comes down to it, you have to be a certain class to have all these resources to get your, the right amount of petitions. I found it interesting that Faust, when petitioning, uh, when asked about petitioning, she said, like, well, I have, I have a trade secret, which I assume meant, like, I go to a few apartment buildings with old, elder people who will sign anything you ask them to. Um, because if you go, like I said, if you go to someone under than 50, and this is when I, I petitioned for a day or so uh, for a council race, they'll like kind of, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know this candidate. I need to know more before I can make the decision, the serious decision right. of signing your petition, whether or not voting or not. And And that's kind of elections as consumer choice coming into play of like, well, you know, I need to see all of the nutritional facts or you know, before you even before I even let this on my shelf, whether or not mm-hmm. I allow even other people to pick them. What uh, say that again? What did you say about Valerie when asked about the petition process? Tell me that again. Yeah, um, and I think I'm quoting verbatim that, like, you know, she she collected petitions, and she said she has a she had a trade secret. For getting petitions trade quickly secret. or getting enough. Yeah, trade secret. And that, of course, is a big turnoff because it's like proprietary knowledge of how to campaign efficiently, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it also kind of strikes, um, it reads as I had to ask the minimum number of people. I had to canvas the minimum amount um, by going to, say, a few apartment buildings. Um, uh-huh. This is, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, it's not just her, of course. It's many other candidates past and present. Um, 
don't know if anyone else has talked about it, but I've, I have the actual like voting results in front of me from the Board of Elections. And okay. there's a pattern. Hmm? Yeah. Tell me. So some, pat- some patterns jump out. First, that the two richer neighborhoods in Albany, that's Ward 14 and 7, have the highest turnout. Or six. Um, six with 800 votes. 14 had 1,200 votes. Um, you had the close races, which were Ward 3 with Joyce Love and what was his name? Um, uh, James Davis. Mm-hmm. And uh, Love won with only 40 votes, um, which was you know, closer than I thought, actually. And mm-hmm. the central square race in Ward 6 was definitely very close because, and this is, this is a different issue entirely as far as just elections and election integrity and election fairness and the ability to participate in the first place. But you kind of had some races, you had like a, two progressives or maybe you had a centrist incumbent or it was an open seat and you had a centrist versus a progressive. And progressives seemed to win more often like with Sergio which was a very also a very close race, but you had more mm-hmm. you know higher turnout. The poor wards, especially West Hill and Arbor Hill, I mean West Hill only had uh, 170 voters, and and my ward three had 300. Um, but overall, like even for the mayor's race, it was just 6,000. And the other the only other like elections that occurred in Albany County were mostly New Scotland, where there were kind of there was a council race where 150 people voted, and there was a supervisor race that only 90 people voted in. So you had more people coming out and vote for council race, and only you know mostly half of them didn't even they they left the supervisor blank, which wow. is kind of an odd odd attitude to have, but you kind of have to ask them. But my thinking is. You vote in the races you care about and or you've been asked to vote in. Like, it really yeah. is that directive. Like, I was asked to vote for this person. They canvassed. They seemed appropriate. They're professional enough for my taste because uh, anecdotally, I talked to one person after a, a primary day, and he mentioned that, like, he was kind of split as far as um, Sergio and the other candidates. Um yeah, DeRosa, that they were right. both very similar as far as they, they kind of, their positions were vague. They were just like safe positions that you give when you don't really particularly want to upset anybody. Um, you know, one way or the other on the uh, occupation in front of the police department, for example, or uh, gassing, banning tear gas. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, 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 what of the bread and butter issues of the city, you know, actual, incre- you know, bettering material conditions, so to speak. Um, but what different, what's different is, well, race and other identities, as well as presentation. This guy complained that Sergio, when he was canvassing a week uh, before primary day, that he, he had his ba- a baggy pants style that day. I mean, in his lit, he's wearing a suit. And I usually see him well-dressed in public. Mm-hmm. This time, he seemed to not be wearing a belt. <laughs> and this... It was like, you can't be doing that. It's an anecdote, but it speaks to, like, Dem primary voters, edge on conservative, 
but enough people, lefties, left-leaning, are registered Dem now, thanks to maybe the Sanders campaign, that they're also ready to run for council or vote in council races. And then that goes mm-hmm. for the people who ran. So Sergio is like a second time around, for example. But it speaks to that, like, progressives overall, if you want to see, like, the, in, within the Democrats, centrist versus uh, progressive, both capitalists in my opinion. But um, the – like, they didn't run a they – they didn't have an impact in the mayoral race because they put – all their energy in the council races. So maybe next cycle, one of these council people, maybe it will be Mr. Adams, maybe it will be Gabriella, they will be the candidate for mayor, representing progressive opposition to Kathy uh, the centrist. But, you know, Kathy, as a manager or just as a person, is also like, you know, is yesterday's progressive, just as. Mayor um, Jennings was elected as the progressive challenger once upon a time. Mm -hmm. But it kind of speaks broader of why are the vote totals so low? Why are so many not participating at all electorally? Speaks to that there's a general attitude of we have a very fragile system, but we're also there's a lot of inertia that it's not subject to a lot of change very quickly. And with the climate crisis, you know, maybe just let the climate chaos play out and survive it is the more pressing priority. Um, For example, lefties like me, we didn't really put any um, resources into elections besides one race in Schenectady, but otherwise we're working on community projects. We're working on helping people survive. Uh, or building the kinds of community infrastructure like the radio station um, to allow for mass communication and outreach that is just doesn't require having half a million dollars on hand for signs and for lit and whatever. Um, because otherwise, like, yeah, the outreach is most important, getting the word out. A lot of people probably do, didn't know I mean, maybe they knew there was a primary and they know that Kathy's got to go. But if I, I could follow up with, well, did you actually vote? And they probably didn't because they, they weren't asked to. Faust wasn't able mm-hmm. to ask for their vote. And for that, we need um, grant-based public financing, not the matching money system. Because that just allows people who, if you raise more, you get more. Um hmm. But yeah, like so, like with the Ward Six race, you had two progressives, um, Mayo and Romero. They were very, to me, from from the outside, they're very similar in values. Uh, Mayo volunteers for the homeless action van, and Romeo mm-hmm. is a public defender. And one got more progressive endorsements, and Mayo got like the party's endorsement. Romeo got working families and DSA, and that's also something to say and notice about the Buffalo race or for mayor or, or other races where, you know, maybe the DSA puts this up as their victory when it could just as easily be like a working families party victory where mm-hmm. the candidate or the, or the candidate left will say, oh, no, it's actually the working families that actually helped me more or they're what mattered. DSA is a sideshow. 
social, you know, being a socialist. This is a sideshow that others will pump up. But when it comes to policy, capital rules. And people, the masses kind of know this, that power lies in market forces. And although you can elect people to regulate that a little bit, like you can improve things with public internet and the community choice aggregate, which kind of erodes the power of the monopolies in our lives. So it does matter who's in office to some, you know, to a good extent, but not in the extent of this isn't a, like, this isn't actually politics. This is about identity shopping for someone and, and looking good. While when it comes to forces that really rule our lives, it's develop our interests. It's, and other things like that. Like we, why wasn't there a strong mayoral campaign to oppose Sheehan? There doesn't seem to be an economic base for it. You know, people are active when they're optimistic, when they have a base of like a financial floor. They know like where their next, where they're, how they're going to pay all their bills. Um, or, or, or they could be paying their bills, but they're still just treading water. And our economic base has always kind of maybe felt secure, like because it's government, healthcare, and education. But even in the last 15 years, these things have seen cuts. So even state workers are unsure if they're going to have a job in 10 years. Are they going to have to move to a different part of the country? You know, everyone on the West Coast, like if there's going to be wildfires every year, you know, they're not going to, they're stop. they're probably going to participate less there because they might have to move here tomorrow uh, or another mm-hmm. part of the country because people have to chase the jobs. And that kind of goes to how the only people who can participate in these democratic primaries because of the way where you vote based on where you live and you have to register each time you move, you know, people move from city to city, even in the tri-city area. I know many people like, oh, I'm going to Schenectady this year. I'm going to be in Troy the next year. I'm going to be in Albany mm-hmm. this year. They're not able to put down the roots to vote consistently election and election out. It's too confusing or it's just not worth the bother. And so people who, you know, homeowners or people with a really, you know, substantial middle class income, which are less and less people, that's why it's going to keep shrinking. And yet this counts as being legitimate, that 6,000 people determine who's managing a city of 100,000. And you have a class of renters and workers who are unrepresented and kind of like a George Carlin quote, they're not in the club. Now, of course, with unionization, that's making your own club, making your own politics, your own source of power an economic base that is separate from these large institutions that um, are looking more fragile by year. And no infrastructure bill from the federal government that's half road spending and the other half uh, other crap uh, isn't going to fix it. So were you, were you surprised by the... Um the numbers on, on primary night? Um, I think not. Um, let me just check the result again. For the mayoral race, it was basically a 60-40 split for mayor. 
Cappy getting 3700 Valerie getting 2100 Right. So, you know, 1500 vote difference. So it wasn't a blowout, but, it, it you know, it's a clear majority. But, again, a majority uh-huh. of who exactly? A majority of 6,000 people um, in the city right. of 100,000 uh, and growing. Um, but otherwise, it can speak to that there's, there needs to be different ways of representation. Um, or there needs to be substantial reform of the election system so that more people are represented, uh, people are voting in it, and thus then it feels like people are more represented. Well, but you know, we have a very large there's... council, but when it comes down to it, six like one person that has to deal with six thousand people or represent six thousand, it's mm-hmm. it's still quite a, quite an interest, um, quite uh, an inequitable um, relationship. Okay, now you just mentioned uh, the population of Albany, which is what nine ninety thousand or a hundred thousand. Okay, so out of those, I'll I'll use the lower figure, ninety thousand. Out of the ninety thousand, not all of them are registered Democrats, and the ones that are not registered Democrats cannot vote in the primary. So is that fair to say a city of 90,000 when a lot of them are not registered Democrats? Uh, no, it isn't. And this is why I will harp on the party suppression of the Democratic Party uh, from the state level down uh, or even the national level down. Because you can – and this is something you only see on Green Party um, communiques that the – you know when the Dems put forward an election integrity act on the national level to ensure that like we, you know, there can be no charges that um, the, the elections are stolen. Mm-hmm. They're putting in rules that pretty much further suppress or make it harder for any other party to operate, to gain ballot access, to be able to, to gain members. Mm-hmm. And to op- and, and to actually run elections, you know, and this and this is something that Como did last year in right. starting the public financing experiment of his. He basically doubled the amount of votes that we needed in the presidential election to retain our ballot line, and of course we didn't meet it. Right. We would have met it if it was the fast past cycle. We didn't meet it now. So now us, the Greens, the Libertarians, and any other party, and this and this is under the rubric of like, oh, we want to pull the call the fake parties. But the thing is, none of the voters, no, you know, registered no party or whatever, they don't get any outreach to what parties exist. They don't know what their choices are. How is that? How are they making an informed decision? It's not like mass media makes any effort to actually give equal time to every party. Right. They do not. And, they say very blatantly that they're not going to. And on that note, then, we're out of time. So um, I want to inform everybody that on July 10th, between the hours of 11 and 3, there's going to be a uh, 
Bat Cannon Battle Drive for WCAA, and it's going to be on the corner of Swan and Madison. So everybody who has uh, bottles or cans that they want to donate, please stop by at that time and see us. So, Dan, thank you for being on Focus on Albany. You've been listening to Dan Platt. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany, and if you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dan. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.